annihilated. We need peace. 93.3 and AM 560. The United States stands with Israel. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 93.3 KWTO and stream us on the 93.3 mobile app. Hey, and welcome back. Uh, thank you very much for uh, tuning in to 93.3 and 560 AM KWTO. We're going to have uh, with us our next guest. I hope you enjoyed that last segment for an hour. Our next guest here is Shane Scholler, a Green County, Missouri's clerk. Man, welcome aboard, brother. Hey, great to be here, Steve. Yeah. Always good to be with you. Now, I know that, uh, Shane, that you're you're trying to become Secretary of State. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, first off, to be Secretary of State, people got to know what the Secretary of State does. And yes. I, I think that's very important. Yep, absolutely. And, and so it kind of... Let's let's put you to the test. Okay. All right. What does the Secretary of State do? What's the office actually do? Absolutely. Well, similar to county clerk, it has a lot of administrative duties it does for the state, just like we do for the county. And so a lot of people, when they think about the county clerk, they think about elections, voter registration. But we also handle payroll for the entire county. We also oversee tax administration, licensing, record retention, just a number of things that fall underneath the office of the county clerk. A lot of people don't think about the Secretary of State is very much similar. So people think about elections and voter registration and think about Secretary of State. But they also, a lot of folks, if they're not business owners, don't realize that in order to get your business license for the state, you have to go to the Secretary of State's office. Um, investment protection, they oversee the investment climate of our state, making sure that people are not preying upon investors with fraudulent investments and of course that has grown now because of esg and we know what that is in terms terms of the environmental social governance that has taken over Um, and then also um, you have the um, area of the libraries so the state library is housed underneath the secretary of state's office which works with all of the um, taxpayer funded libraries across the state and then you also have the notaries and commissions um, which is underneath the business services as well but that is underneath the Secretary of State's office. And then think about um, archiving, record retention. Secretary of State does that as well. And then rulemaking. Actually, all the rules um, are published through the Secretary of State's office, and any emergency rulemaking takes place through the Secretary of State's office. So it has a really wide um, list of uh, services that they provide for the state through the office. You just read a book. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness gracious. That's a, that's a great memory, if you can so, remember all of it. Well, of course, you You've been doing it for some time. Let's see. What did you come in in 2012, was it? I, well, in, I ran for it in 2012. Oh, you I ran in I became a county clerk right. in 2014. Yes. All right. So. And so tell us why we should be voting for you. Why should we elect Shane Scholler for Missouri Secretary of State? Well, I think that when you think about um, when you want someone to be a prosecutor, you want to make sure that they've got a law and prosecution, a, a that they've got a background in terms of prosecuting. You also think about law enforcement. You want someone who has experience in law enforcement before they become the sheriff of your county. Mm. And so, and I apologize, I've got a cold, so if your listeners notice, I'm a little bit congested here, so my apologies here. But uh, I think the same thing when it comes to the Office of Secretary of State. You want someone who has actually um, been there and understands what election administration is, what it means in terms of 
you know, from the very beginning of starting election all the way to the very end. We haven't had a secretary of state with that type of experience for some time. And so I think it's critical that we have someone there that can come in and be able to come alongside our election officials across the state and help them in their duties, help them be able to do what they do. Because we have almost a third brand new county clerks um, that were sworn in earlier this year. Wow. Because after 2020, <clears throat> that's a, that's a big, it's a huge count. Yeah. Group. And, and a lot of them, they resigned after the 2020 election or they didn't run again in 2022. And then just a handful didn't win reelection. In when 2022. you, when you say resign, I mean, they just quit. They left their offices. That's really? exactly right. Um, because there was, as you can imagine, the 2020 election was not easy. Um, and a lot of the folks that, um, our county clerks in some of the smaller counties, um, because of the tax base, there's not a whole lot that they get in terms of their compensation for the job. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of times for some of our smaller counties, elections are a much smaller part of what they do because if you're in a third-class county, you're also um, doing the budget. You're doing a number of administrative duties that go beyond even what a first-class um, county clerk does in terms of the duties that we have compared to them. And so when they begin to jungle all of that, and then they're spending a large part of their time on elections because of the attention to it, and then they can go probably make more in the private sector. That's a I get that pretty easy decision to make. Um, but they're probably going to go to the private sector if they have that opportunity. So um, your your elections coming up next year? Yes, right. Um, you have anything you want to share about your competition? Well, no, because I believe that <laughs> Good <answer>. when, <laughs> when you run for office, you run for the office, not against anybody. And so, you know, I think it's better when voters have um, the opportunity to be able to look at the candidates and see who they want to choose. And I'm going to put, you know, my best foot forward, explain why I believe I'm the best person for the office. And I don't run for an office unless I believe I am the best candidate for that office. And that's why I'm running. Yeah, I like the way that's stated. That's very true. When I... Uh ran for office you know i i thought i was the best candidate too you know you should but uh now now i wonder because everybody's attacking me (laughs) (laughs) well you don't get so much of that you you know what a lot of complaints i told a county clerk today i said you know what criticism makes us better yeah it does it makes you think through what you do better yeah and because we're not always right right there's times we learn things and through that criticism i become better but you know, I, I've noticed over the years about you, uh, specifically in the the clerk position that you're in now, that man, you were just hot and heavy into uh, getting into the voting aspect of it, mm-hmm. having the integrity of the ballot, uh, yes. and making the, sure that the count is made mm-hmm. to ensure that you got a good ballot and a good election, good and clean. In fact, I even had an experience, an experience with you mm-hmm. uh, when I was running for the board of education. <clears throat> I was at one of the precincts, and I had mm-hmm. ended up with a uh, a phone call yes. about how there was something awry, and and uh, I immediately called your office, mm-hmm. and you were on top of it, and you had it corrected right away. In fact, I don't know if it had to be corrected as much as it was just a procedural yes. uh, process, and you had it uh, corrected. And that's yes. one thing I've learned yeah. as county clerk is I can only be in one place at one time. Yes. So it's through, you know, hearing from folks like yourself through, you know, like if we have challenger or watchers on the day of the election, the more eyes we have in the process and the more they're willing to say, I'm not sure if that's right. Hey, it may be right, but let's make sure it yeah. is. And if it's not, let's get it corrected as quickly as possible. And that's what I love about our elections in our country is that 
they should always be open and transparent. And that's what I've always tried to do as county clerk and just continue to improve on that as you learn more and more. You, um, when you have these, uh, these races and they, they, they're contended or something Mm -hmm. where, you know, uh, you have somebody challenge uh, the ballot. How many recalls do we have? Do you know? I mean, well, of course, you you may not know all, you know, in other words, I want to challenge the vote Mm because I think that I want to recount basically. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. How many of those do you think you've had over the years as a clerk? Prior to certification, if the race is less than one half of 1% difference. So, for example, I had that happen in 2020 in the 135th. Both candidates ran. There are actually three candidates running between the top two candidates out of almost 18,000 ballots cast, 76 votes separated the two candidates. So that was less than one half of a 1% difference between the two. So prior to certification, the Code of State Regulations says that we can actually recount that entire election. So we did it by hand count. I called the candidates. I called the party chairs. And then we let the media come, anybody in the public want to come. And, of course, that was during COVID. So we went over to the University Plaza in one of the big rooms there in that in that uh, conference meeting room area they have that's, that's detached from the hotel there. And so literally people we were able to come in and watch the entire recamp process. It was one Republican, one Democrat working together, and literally multiple teams of Republicans and Democrats working together. And we literally started, you know, first thing in the morning and went almost until about 830 that night. People watched the entire process. My goodness. And so what that did is when we certified it, people didn't question the outcome because they were able to be part of the process. And that's how you bring um, integrity to the process. And so I've also had, like in local elections, we've had some ties. We've had some one-vote outcomes. Earlier this year, we did have one um, issue that we um, had a court-requested recount. And the reason why is a school district, and we – it overlaps in other counties, and so they had to go to the court since it wasn't wholly contained within Green County. We could not have a recount that would give them um, any certainty, so they went to the court after we certified. The court allowed the recount to go forward, and the vote stood as the voters voted. Hmm. So I can remember the last board of education here mm-hmm. in Springfield, we had we were within that one, one and a half percent. No, no, you, you that that I was thought one that of the was one. The the Landon was, Carter, I believe, it, was the one. It was actually a little bit beyond that. I know that was he, there were some questions about that, and and certainly you always want that scrutiny when it happens. Um, but as I recall, I'd have to go back and look. It definitely was not within one half one percent, or otherwise we would have done a recount on that before we certified just internally with our office. Um, but I'm trying to remember if it may have been less than one percent, possibly. I think that may, but it wasn't below one half of one percent. It was above that, but I think it may have been below. And with no. my cold, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> be careful of my certainty today. No, so, that's right. Uh, yeah. Now, if a candidate wanted to uh, wanted a recount, yes. All right. Does it cost them anything? Well, what they do is they have to go before your local circuit judge, and so either because it's close. It's less than that 1%, not above that 1%. Yes. They can go before a judge and request that recount. That's always allowed. Um, and it's already paid for that. And so they don't have to pay for it. Um, I don't believe in those cases that they have to pay because it's, it's a right that they have to be able to request that. Um, and then if they believe there's an irregularity, for example, 
Mm. Something's not right here. For example, 2016, there was a primary in the city of St. Louis um, in the primary election for a state house seat. And their um, election day total came in um, for one of the candidates, and they won. But when they counted the absentee total, the absentee total was much wider in terms of the margin between the two candidates. They believed there was enough irregularity that they put that information before a judge to say, your absentee margin should not be this wide and your election day margin this close. So anyway, long story short, what they did was they um, they um, went before the judge. The judge heard that information, and then the judge um, ordered a new election. Yeah. And guess what? In that new election, the candidate originally lost one. And so there's an example where, and a lot of voters don't know that, after the election results are certified, any candidate has 30 days after the certification, not the day of the election, after certification, to go before a judge and say, I think there's something wrong here. If they have the evidence to be able to present, then a new election can be ordered um, for that candidate or that particular issue. But you just can't say it. You got to have some kind of evidence. You've got to you got to have evidence. Absolutely. Well, Which what would makes that be? Sense. Well, I mean, my goodness, you can't be in every the, precinct to know. Absolutely. In the case of of what happened in, in the city of St. Louis, there were some really rarities in terms of how the absentee vote was being conducted, and they were able to present that evidence. And I think and during that, there was also some ballot harvesting that they knew took place during that period of time. And so that was enough information for the judge to be able to order a new election based upon what they presented. What do you mean ballot, ballot harvesting? Meaning that literally there were ballots being collected in a way that was not appropriate on behalf of the voters and being sent and being, as I recall, they were being delivered back personally to the election office. Like a lot of people don't know this, but... Like if you have a friend that votes absentee, you cannot return that ballot back for your friend to the election office. It has to be a relative within the second degree of consanguinity, which is basically going to be husband, spouse, child, for right. example. That's who's going to have to do that for you. Have you ever had that happen here? You mean relatives delivering ballots on behalf of the yeah. voters? Oh, yeah, that happens. That's that's very normal. We have a form that they sign. They, you know. Um, do that on behalf of the voter. So, yeah, oh, that's, that's not uncommon. Yeah, especially during 2020, that was not uncommon to have that happen. You um, say you win. Yes. And you become the Secretary of State. You going to pack up and go up to Jefferson City, or are you going to stay around here? So, well, <laughs> you're going to have uh, two homes, maybe, or what? We're going to make the best decision for our family. And so, um, Lord willing, if we're successful, my oldest would be in her final year of high school. So I don't think if we do move, we would move immediately. Um, We'd certainly want her to be able to finish out high school. And then her second would be in high school at that time. And so we'd have that conversation in terms of what's best in terms of the family at that time. But it's certainly, you you know, that's the nice thing about the office secretary of state. There's an office here in Springfield. There's one in Kansas city. There's one in St. Louis and Jefferson city. And so part of the duty of being a good secretary of state is you just don't stay in the office. You travel. And because, for example, you know, every county clerk, every election board you want to be interacting with, the libraries across the state, you want to be visiting with them, um, being able to get their input. And so you definitely can balance out. So you can travel from here, you travel from Jefferson City, but you need to be there in terms of the people that you work with. And that's one of the opportunities you have as Secretary of State. But <clears throat> certainly I'm not opposed to living in Jefferson City if that ends up being the right decision for us. Well. I can relate, you know, about the family yeah. aspect of it. I spent 21 years in the Navy, and mm-hmm. 
And actually, I ended up moving here to Springfield, Missouri, and I wanted to do that because I wanted my kids yeah. to kind of at least spend some time, like through high school and all that, in in one place. So it's yes. it. I actually had the opportunity, even if you know why they were in high school, that mm-hmm. maybe I would transfer and go somewhere else. But I was very fortunate yeah. uh, to be able to stay here and have my kids go through high school here, so, and and I ended up just staying here. It's sort of, you know, when I worked for Matt Blunt, he kept his residence in Fairgrove um, when he was Secretary of State. And he oftentimes would just get up in the morning, drive in, and then come home that night. Because it's really not that far of a trip between here and Jefferson City. Yeah. So it's not that hard to get Well, you've done that, back. too, before as a legislator. During the legislative dues. Yes, yeah. absolutely. What what district were you here? That was probably the different than. The 139th. Yeah. 139. Which, um, after redistricting, that went down to Christian County, and so Jared Taylor became the state rep at that time for the 139th i see well any final words on uh your to your audience on why they should elect you we got about one minute left and we're gonna go into another segment well i think it's important that uh, when people think about secure accurate fair elections i absolutely have done that here in green county i believe in transparency that's what builds public trust we need to do that across the state we need to have someone who can help our election officials who are new I bring that. I also understand the other aspects of the offices. I want to help our young entrepreneurs who are ready to start their businesses. I want to make sure that we protect our investors when they go to protect, invest their hard-earned dollars. I want to make sure that our libraries are safe for families and children. I think that's important, too. And I think you need to have someone who's conscientious, understands that, knows how to do it. And I come ready day one to do that. I love it, man. Thank you very much. You bet. And I appreciate that. I, we're going to talk a little bit about politics right after this for okay. the GOP debate. So. The next segment, would you like to hang out and maybe talk a little bit about that? Sure, that sounds like fun. I think it'll be fun. All right. Garrett Garrett loves getting into that kind of stuff. Other than the Super Bowl, the debates are my Super Bowl. I I love them. them. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Elijah Har Show. This is Steve McCoskey, and we're going to be right back after this message. Thank you. Came into this world, I was lost, not found. Did not hold me in its arms like it holds me now. So I drew myself a bird across the waves. This is what's happening. We need a special counsel to investigate Joe Biden and the $20 million that his family received while he was vice president.